Welcome everybody to the We Love Philadelphia podcast. I am joined here today with my high school student, Kasim Karamoka. Yes, sir. And we are with Sarah Harrington, the volunteer manager at Elmwood Park Zoo. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well today. Thank you. Of course. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, yeah, no, we, we love to talk about the zoo, and the reason I work at a zoo is because I couldn't stop talking about animals and how much I love them, uh, so I am happy to talk about them anytime. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So I'm going to get into a deep question right off the bat, because I have a lot of friends who don't visit zoos, mm-hmm. because they think zoos aren't good places for animals, so mm-hmm. do you want to debunk that or agree with it? I don't think you're going to agree because you work <laughs> at a zoo, but what do you think Yes. About that issue. Yeah, no, I would love to address that. And um, that's a sort of an attitude or a belief that, uh, that people have shared with me before, definitely. And it's one of the reasons that I love to talk about zoos so much to absolutely everyone I meet. And that is because zoos in the past were very different. <laughs> zoos in the past were very different than they are now. Obviously, we've had zoos almost as long as humans have existed because we have... So many of us have a curiosity about animals. And so for many centuries, uh, people held animals because of that curiosity without understanding the animals um, and and probably not thinking about the animals' uh, best interests to satisfy that curiosity. Um, The reason that modern zoos continue to exist is in order to educate people and create an emotional connection between people and animals that they wouldn't run into in their daily lives. So something like our jaguars, I really hope you don't run into a jaguar in your everyday life (laughs) because that would end badly for you. Um, I think that only happens once. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yes, exactly. Um, Yeah, we had an intern that ran into a mountain lion once. um, That was terrifying. Yes, that was apparently terrifying. That was terrifying. Um, yes. So the jaguar, we could, I could look up a picture of a jaguar right now, uh, online and I could look at that picture and say, okay, that's a jaguar. There's a reason that people want to come to the zoo to see the jaguar and experience it with their own senses. They want to see the jaguar with their own eyes. They want to hear it. They want to be close to it and they want to get to know that jaguar because humans tend to think with our emotions. In order to motivate people to care for a part of the world or um, you know, a part of their actions that they don't think about the consequences of, we want to create an emotional connection between people and those animals. Um, So something like a jaguar, I'm not going to be motivated to, even if I think jaguars should be on the planet and that we should make sure that they, you know, stay healthy and stay alive as a species, I might not know what to do in order to keep them on the planet. I also might not, um, I might just not care about it very much. I come to the zoo and I learn um, from, you know, I talk to a keeper and they tell me, that uh, Zian is the father of our two cubs, um, Diego and Luna, and that Diego and Luna are part of uh, the species survival plan that we participate in as part of the Association of Zoos Aquariums. And that means that we are purposefully increasing the genetic diversity of jaguars in captivity. So we never take animals from the wild unless there is an immediate threat to that species' wow. survival in the wild. So you're saving animals, not 
in prison. Wow. Yes. <laughs> yes. If we want to make it, yes. If you want to simplify it to, to you know, uh, one little bullet point, then yes, we very much are here to save animals. Our number one goal as, as an organization and as zookeepers is our animals' safety and happiness and health and well-being. Their, our animal well-being comes first long before our uh, the guest entertainment level with that animal. So if it's uh, if that animal is shy and would be frightened of being on exhibit too much, then we take them off exhibit. We uh, during wild lights we worked very carefully with um, the people who helped us set up all of the light part of wild lights to make sure that no lights were going to be shining into animals' exhibits um, where they could see them at night, that would keep them awake, that would throw off their natural cycle of day and night. We also used a lot of colored lights that were either red or green light that the animals can't see at all so as not to disturb them because they didn't choose to be a part of our conservation efforts. So we owe it to them to do our best to make their lives as happy, as enriched, as fulfilling as it can be. And also knowing that the reason that they live in a zoo at all is for the wider purpose of keeping their species on the earth. There's So there's one or two other situations where we might take an animal out of the wild. And a common one, um, especially for our education animals, is that they are an animal who was injured or fell out of a nest as a baby, uh, had some other reason that they were brought to a wildlife rehabilitation center, and they, were, um, they went through rehabilitation, they were either attempted to release and they failed, or there was a decision made that it, there was no possibility that they could survive if they were released. Those animals will come to places like zoos. So a lot of our education animals are local wildlife. We have a possum who is missing most of his tail. We have uh, we have two bald eagles, both of which, well, one of them is missing a significant part of his wing. One of them, Noah, um, you may know. Noah is one of our most famous animals. He actually is the, the eagle's eagle, the Philadelphia eagle's oh, eagle. Oh, really? Yes, we love to have him. And the reason that he is a part of the zoo is because um, he actually uh, was injured. He does not, he's missing one eye and he also had uh, brain damage. Oh, wow. So he is not able to take care of himself. He wouldn't be able to hunt with only one eye. Sight and very, very good sight is a very important part of hunting. And we also have uh, our other most famous resident is Stella who is Temple's owl. Oh, cool. Yes. My um, alma mater. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Your actual? <laughs> yeah, not to fool you with the Pittsburgh. We actually just came from Temple. Oh, great. Um, yeah, so, well, we have Stella, the Temple owl. Yeah. Stella is actually a champ at going to things like big, loud games because nothing bothers her. Um, she is so fine with humans she's not nervous about being around them and that's why we keep her as an education animal even if we were to have animals that needed a placement but were not as comfortable being around humans working with our educators and building a close 
trusting relationship with them in order to sit on their arm for a few hours while a lot of strangers are walking by. We would no longer um, keep that animal at this location. We would find another placement for that animal in somewhere that they would be cared for professionally, but that they wouldn't have to interact with humans as much. Thank you. So there's lots and lots of reasons why if you support animals that you should really look into supporting zoos um, if only by paying for attendance because the zoo is actually a non-profit organization this zoo is yes oh wow um yes so um, is that the association you mentioned earlier the zoos and so uh, it's not um it's not i don't believe it's a requirement of the association of zoos and aquariums but this zoo is that means that all of our money that comes from things like ticket sales, things like fundraisers, galas, all of that goes straight back into improving the zoo, taking care of our animals, making sure they have what they need, that they have uh, optimal diets. Um, the amount of research that goes into feeding one chicken uh, here in the education department, other chickens would die of jealousy because Cluck Norris uh, gets to eat exactly <laughs> one grape every day yeah. um, because that is the exact amount that is still healthy for him, but also fulfills his wild uh, love of grapes, which a lot of chickens will have never tried a grape in their life, but that is his absolute favorite food in the world, so he gets one every day. And those are the kind of things that our keepers spend their time doing is making diets um, and making sure that the exhibits have enrichment for the animals. Um, enrichment is a really important term for anyone who's thinking about going into a zookeeping field. And we actually do it with our pets without knowing. So a popular brand for dog toys is Kong, if you've heard yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. Kongs were actually first developed for zookeepers. They were uh, designed as a way to slow down the animal as they were eating their food in order to make it more like what that animal would need to do in the wild to, to eat. It's interesting. And that is in order to prevent things like boredom, um, you know, mental stimulation, and also physical. If an animal doesn't have to stalk and hunt its prey in the trees, it's not getting as much energy, it's not getting as much exercise as that animal would in the wild. And so to encourage them to get the exercise that they should and have, you know, be physically healthy as well as mentally occupied, we try to encourage them to perform behaviors that they would in the wild. Um, for some animals, that's hunting and stalking. Um, so we might have a toy and hide it um, in various parts of their exhibit on different days so that they will have to find it the next time they come in and they'll have to smell it down or you know just keep looking or climb to get it. We might, uh, for Cluck and Pepper, our chickens, our education chickens, I try to scatter and sort of hide their food under, under things like uh, straw or grass, or I'll try to put it in a patch of grass and take them to there um, so that they can peck and scratch at the ground because that's what they would be doing if they were wild chickens. That is also something that we do with our animals every single day. We have a rotating schedule of the type of enrichment the animal will get. So what is, so how are you a part of the Association for Zoos and Aquariums? Is that um, like a special title? What is that? Yes. So in order to be accredited by the AZA, 
We have to pass their standards for um, care of our animals. That's one of the most important parts. And also that we as an organization are doing our part in educating the public, in participating in conservation. So if we find out that Zian, our male jaguar, his genetics are overrepresented in the population of, of jaguars in zoos. Maybe Zian's father was very, very prolific and was very good at, at having uh, baby jaguars. A large percentage of his children survive to adulthood and will be passing on their genetic material. Well, that could potentially be an issue because zoos also act as an arc for the wild. If that, if jaguars were to go extinct tomorrow, unexpectedly, one of the goals of uh, being a part of the species survival plan is to be able to release genetically diverse enough animals that make them wild again would be uh, they would be able to survive and repopulate that population. To bring it back to the AZA and their board that comes and you know inspects everything and uh, finds out we, we submit reports about our education goals and how much how much time and effort we spend in order to make sure that not only are people enjoying interacting with our animals, but it's also motivating them to make changes in their lives that are going to impact uh, this species in the wild. Did you know so much going to zoos, Cassie? You did? <laughs> um, I'm very good at talking about zoos. Yeah, um, for, yeah. For a long time. Most definitely. <laughs> you said the word education a bunch, so I, at being a teacher, that word like rings in my head every time I hear it. And I feel like when I volunteered here, I was helping... I was helping little kids write letters to animals. I was helping them color. I was helping them with motor skills. They were all interacting with each other. How does education fit into your mission, I guess is what I'm asking. Uh, education should be a part of absolutely everything we ever do um, here in a zoo. And that might be my personal opinion. The large majority of our volunteers help us with our education mission. Gotcha. Um, we do have interns who assist our keepers and who assist our educators um, in caring for the Education Ambassador Collection as well as the exhibit animals. And that's a process in order to apply and be accepted for those positions because that's a lot of trust that we're putting in those interns. But the large majority of our volunteers, our teen volunteers, our adult volunteers, are education volunteers and they um, take things like we have this um, giant replica giraffe skull they would take this little table that we're at and this giraffe skull out into the zoo maybe in front of the giraffe exhibit and that means that people would be able to come over and touch the giraffe skull and get close to it to appreciate how big a giraffe really is, to appreciate something like the fact that giraffes ha do not have horns, they have ossicones that are a part of their skull. Um, and you would never know that unless you were A, able to get close enough to actually touch a giraffe. When, when we are having people see these animals, making it as engaging as possible, having an education volunteer who can be there in person to talk about this animal that they particularly love, um, like giraffes, you know, and utilize a tool that will make it more interactive and engaging. Um, that's the majority of what our volunteers do for the zoo. So you're, so you're saying people don't come here to volunteer and they have to scoop up animal poop? 
Um, people, oh no, people are constantly trying to volunteer to pick up animal poop. Really? Yes, they are. That's what I hear from students. I don't want to volunteer at a zoo. I don't want to have to clean up the poop. It's certainly an association that a lot of people have. Um, I can tell you that, but no, I am surprised by the percentage of people that that's their, that's what they want. That's what they want. They want to get as close to an animal as possible. Oh, okay. When people come to the zoo, they're so excited to learn, they don't even realize that they're learning. Um, So that's why sometimes the education portion of zoos can can be overlooked, uh, is because we try to do it in such a way that it's so fun, you don't even know you're doing it. Seem and I were actually just talking about that on the way up. Yeah. uh, That people remember, back to the education, people remember how you make them feel, they don't remember what you tell them. And I feel like... Most people in Philadelphia having the Elmwood Park Zoo, having the Philadelphia Zoo, they associate that feeling of exploration and this Mm -hmm. is fun and I'm learning. And then when you say the zoo, they're like, yeah, and people go to the zoo from birth and they go to the zoo all the way up to their adults and then they take their kids to the zoo and that feeling just stays strong and they want to keep going back to the zoo because they know that, oh, oh my God, mom, look at this. Like all of that is going on and everyone in the family just enjoys in that feeling. Yeah, we actually, yeah, we love that about the zoo that we have that absolutely anyone, any kind of person, you know, will come to a zoo and enjoy themselves with every age of person. Um, and so frequently it is a multi-generational family activity to come to the zoo um, because anyone can appreciate yeah, animals. Even definitely. even people who aren't necessarily going to be able to um, read the signs. Um, so we have two different examples of that. We actually work um, closely with the, um, the School of Blind Students. So they actually come to the zoo and our educators have particular ways of interacting with the animals that they offer to them in order for them to experience it with their other senses than their sight. We also, um, we have a lot of people who come to the zoo who don't necessarily speak English yeah. and they don't need to speak English. They're they're appreciating our animals. They're seeing yeah, yeah, them, yeah. they're smelling them. Absolutely yeah. everyone can come to the zoo. I think yeah. that's something that people associate with the Philadelphia Zoo because it's an internationally known location. and it's the oldest zoo in the country. Philadelphia Zoo has been here for a very, very long time. Elmwood Park Zoo has been here since 1924, so... Still a long time. Yes. Still a long time. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking right behind you and I see an autism certificate. Mm -hmm. What is that? What's that Um, about? So we are certified by as an autism center and we are actually one of the first non-school autism centers um, in addition to uh, Sesame Place. Oh, cool. Um, yes, and um, I believe in Oxford Valley. Have you ever been to Sesame Place? No. No? Oh, yeah, actually, I have. Yeah? yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's, I actually, that's very close to where I live. Gotcha. Um, and so they applied, and that inspired us because we want to be a place that's accessible to literally everyone, and it's something that we had sort of started to become aware of. So we looked and saw, okay, what can we do to make ourselves more accessible to all different kinds of people? And one way to do that was to make people aware of what they're going to come to when they come to the zoo. So we actually, on our website, we have multiple accessibility resources. One of the 
those is an accessibility map that will label uh, different parts of the zoo and how loud the, those places might be. Someone on the spectrum, if they don't want to particularly go to a place that's very loud, if they don't, um, if they're not going to be comfortable in a crowded location, um, there might be a label on, you know, the Trail of the Jaguar exhibit tends to be one of the louder and more crowded locations in the zoo. We also have um, uh, everyone in, so all of the staff in the zoo, in order to become part of the uh, certified autism center, we took training. Uh, every single staff member, including guest services, like every single person, we had training in order to learn how to interact in a public setting with people with autism and make their experience better. And one way to do that is just to help them prepare for what they're going to walk into. Um, we also have special accessibility um, mornings where uh, people with a family member on the autism spectrum can come early to the zoo before the zoo opens to the public so that the zoo is going to be a calm, you know, uh, start. And That's then cool. if they are doing okay then, then the zoo opens and they're obviously welcome to stay the rest of the day. But it's a good start to the day. We also had, um, we had one for Boo at the Zoo, which is our Halloween celebrations. Mm. Boo at the Zoo, we had Boo Just For You. Yeah. Um, which is the the best name. Uh, it was already Boo at the Zoo, which is adorable. And now yeah. Boo Just For You Boo. is just amazing. And that night we had Halloween activities specifically for people with multiple kinds of disabilities um, in order to make it just a welcoming, open place that absolutely everyone can come to and enjoy. Awesome. I'm going to ask you, Kasim, since you started volunteering, what, what have you been getting out of it? Since volunteering is completely new to you based on what you were telling me what have you been getting out of volunteering at the different places we've been at i've been learning a whole lot once volunteering from this um meeting interesting people um getting to know how it works in different places like the art we went to an art festival i went to the marching group and it's Mm always different varieties of places um and like you said it it feels fun because you're being educated while you it's like you're being educated while learning and while and while learning, you know, and you're getting to try new things that you never, you're not, you really used to. You're seeing new environment, new people. Yeah. So is it again, like we said earlier, it's about how the place makes you feel, and that's where I agree with, with most of what you said about the zoo. We can when when I was a kid, and I went to the zoo. It was fun seeing a monkey for the first time because I would see it in the book, and usually yeah. I'm like, wow, I can't, what if I seen a monkey in person, or what if I seen I would watch PBS Kids so much until one day I actually went to the zoo for the first time and I mm-hmm. seen animals and it really excited me and then that's when you want to do more research you want to look for more things and more, yeah. more topics and you want to look dig yeah. deeper into it and that's what sparks the interest in kids they, yeah. want to, they just want something they can connect with something that makes them feel good inside yeah. and I think the zoo is a perfect place for a kid to come to the environment and like you said I, I learned a lot from you talking about the zoo and the animals being protected and you only get in a certain amount of animals that sh- mm-hmm. depending on their environment and whether they're if the if the environment feels comfortable to the animal if it doesn't mm-hmm. you guys will put them right back that's good I, that's something i learned today yeah uh, yeah no that's that's um very important to us is creating an experience that is emotionally positive for not only our guests but also for our volunteers because we have a lot of opportunities to have fun. Uh, Something that makes a lasting volunteer, in my experience, um, because I have volunteered in many places, including the Philadelphia Zoo, is the um, bonds, the social bonds between the volunteers is one of the things that keeps the volunteer coming back. Yeah, there's Um, definitely. We experienced that when we came here. 
we did the, uh, we have the treetop adventure here. Yeah. So the, the two students I brought actually went through the oh, whole treetop thing and they, oh my God, they loved it. They're already yes. asking, hey, you going to the zoo this weekend? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not going to the zoo this weekend, but. Yes. <laughs> we're going yeah. elsewhere. So just imagine, like you were saying, just imagine the people you're meeting, the experiences you're having. Like you said, you wanted to connect with the animals casino when you were younger and you saw the animals and you wanted to learn more about it. I feel like that same excitement can be there for adults once they volunteer because you're meeting new people, you're learning about new things you had no idea about, and you're going in firsthand experience, not through a phone, not through a screen, mm-hmm. not through the television, not through a movie. You're actually living it, meeting people, and you're kind of writing the script of how your day is going to go in a place that you've never been. Everything about it is unknown. And like we were talking about earlier, I feel like all the possibility in your life is where that unknown is. Most definitely, yeah. most definitely. Yeah, and uh, something that becomes available to volunteers who are ex- especially dedicated, uh, our most advanced volunteers, uh, we always, to, to all of our volunteers, try to make more experiences to interact with our animals than are necessarily available to the public just because of size or, or whatever. We try to introduce in person all of our education animals at different times to our volunteers so they get more interaction um, up close than a than the average guest at the zoo. Yeah. It's sort of both a thank you and continuing education at the same time because meeting the animal in person helps the volunteer remember every, you know, the weight and how long this animal lives and what yeah. part of the country, you know, they might come from. And so that's an opportunity that our volunteers get um, as as also a thank you for, for the work that they do helping us. We also have our diet prep volunteers. Wow. Our head of diet prep has actually been here uh, volunteering for 25 years. Oh, wow. Yes. He so does it all. And she knows so much about the zoo's history, about every animal's history. Is she locally based? Uh, yes, yeah. Community? <laughs> yes, community, yeah. Um, and that's actually something that's really, really important to the zoo as well, is our local community in Norristown and supporting them. A lot of our volunteers this year, we've been working with Norristown High School. Oh, cool. Um, to bring in, first of all, we bring in their transitional unit students um, who have special needs. They come to the zoo every weekday in the fall and the spring in order to help us with cleaning our windows, making the exhibits you know, presentable. They help us with education. We also have... Uh, their prom is being held here at the zoo. Or oh. not their, their senior dinner. Oh, that's it, cool. it might not be their prom, yeah. um, but that's going to be held here at the zoo. Our school needs to step their game up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at a zoo. I, yeah. If my senior prom yeah. been, had been at a zoo, I would have been. I would have had yeah. a lot more fun. My fiance's <laughs> was at the aquarium. Oh yeah, mine was too. Was it? Yeah. yeah that's um, cool. Did what school? What high school? Oh, okay, no, Nazareth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Academy. We actually, we love working really closely with Norristown, you know, infusing uh, new life and new attention in Norristown yeah. um, is definitely one of our goals. Um, we actually had um, the author of the book Maniac McGee. He actually is from Norristown and one of the portions of the book, it, the main character, uh, McGee, Maniac McGee, uh, climbs into and sleeps in the bison exhibit at the local zoo. 
which is, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty sure they don't name the zoo in, uh, in the book, but, but yes. So we have that claim to fame and we, we love that. And he comes here all the time in order to get people interested in the zoo who are interested in the book. And we send people in who are interested in the zoo to get interested in the book and learn a little bit about what it's like to live in Norristown because he's lived here his whole life. We own a lot more land than we're currently developed on. So we are going to expand. That is oh, definitely congrats. the plan. Um, yes, I mean, <laughs> uh, we look forward to having, you know, uh, new exhibits, more animals, all of that. That means that we're moving into other, you know, areas uh, uh, of Norristown. Um, and we work closely with Norristown to do that, to be able to do that. So how do people get involved? How do they get in touch with the zoo? How do they learn more? Go on our website. And we have a whole page about our volunteer opportunities there. So the all the details. Park it's Elmwood Park Zoo. I'm sorry. Elmwood it's elmwoodparkzoo.org. Uh, you can find absolutely everything there. And you can apply to be a volunteer or an intern. Um, Social media or emails or anything? Uh, we do, yes. Um, we absolutely, you can, you can always email uh, volunteer at elmwoodparkzoo.org. I love answering um, questions. So volunteer at elmwoodparkzoo.org is a great way to get in touch with us. We also have a Facebook, which they put adorable pictures of our animals on frequently. We also have an Instagram account, which also has adorable pictures of our animals. We have Camera Club is one of our uh, ways that you can volunteer um, at the zoo. And our Camera Club takes amazing pictures of of our animals all the time, all year round, and they're always here, and they catch these amazing moments with our animals. One of my absolute favorite ones, one of our camera club volunteers took a picture of our baby white-faced sake monkey, like holding the head of the green iguana who she shares an exhibit with, and she it oh looks like she's God. like kissing him on the head. Wow. Perfect. And the, the sake monkey, she's lived with him her entire life. I've yeah. never seen her interact with him um i've never seen her parents interact with the green iguana but we, she was just happened to be there because she volunteers all the time to catch that one moment of just absolute sweet you know Bliss. interspecies um yeah. friendship yeah yeah um wow. and that kind of and to be able to share that then on facebook or instagram or whatever uh, i love that we can yeah, do that's that that's fun so I want to take a moment out to send some love your way, <laughs> acknowledge you for all the work that you do here, the education that you provide students, for for all the work that this zoo really, really does. I had no idea that the zoo was so intertwined with the community, that the zoo does so much for everyone in the area. I Thank agree. you so much for how you treat these animals. I have a big place in my heart for animals, so it's, it just feels so good to hear people talk in such a positive way, and I appreciate you for for running the volunteers and being that person. I feel a lot more better about just zoos in general and knowing that, knowing that you're the person that these people are coming in contact with. I appreciate you for that. So before we end every uh, podcast, I finish it with asking this one question, which is if you could go back to the teenage version of you and tell yourself three things, what would they be? Oh wow! Okay, yeah. that's just for the for the yeah. for the high school students listening, right? For teenagers yes. Um, yeah. Well, as as I was a high school teacher, I, it's something I probably have thought about maybe more than the average adult. One thing that I would tell myself is to really be more confident about following my passions. As as a student, I always felt that it was. 
uh, unreasonable. I, I mean, I, I always loved animals and I volunteered, you know, with and around animals. But I never really considered working in a zoo because I knew that everyone in the world would like to be a zookeeper, um, or at least they say that they would. And so I never really seriously considered it. I didn't myself at the time fully know the educational side of zoos um, that I could be a part of. And I would just tell myself as a teenager to take that more seriously, uh, to pursue that because when I work here at the zoo, it does not feel like work yeah. um, because I do what I love every single day. Yeah. Even when I am cleaning poop or you know some other thing, it still is not the average day at work. Um, yeah. So follow your passions and find out what they are. I would say to take school seriously enough as a step towards your job, which you will spend the majority of your life doing. Because I think sometimes people just see school, you know, kids, teenagers just see school as this step that they have to get out of the way before they can become an adult. But really, it's your staircase to becoming an adult. And if you don't see that your English class is going to teach you how to write emails to your boss, which no matter what you do, people think, oh, I'm not going to be an English teacher. I, you know, I'm not going to write novels. I don't need English. You are. You are going to communicate with other human beings. And that's what English it teaches yeah, you most definitely uh and a third one personally i was a very very dedicated student and um i took it a little too seriously at times um so i would tell the kids of today who sometimes worry a little too much about what that college application might look like and that they're the head of every single club some of the time worry about the experiences that you're getting from those clubs and not just what that resume looks like Make sure that you are making the most of the present moment as you are young and free, uh, without a job, uh, without as many responsibilities, um, and don't get too caught up in planning for the future that you're not actually experiencing it in the present. Mm, beautiful. Beautifully said. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for, uh, for doing this and getting the word out about the zoo. You are helping me in my lifelong mission, my everyday mission to encourage people to enjoy animals and keep all of them here on the planet for everyone to enjoy. Our pleasure. <laughs> Have a beautiful day. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>